Hi there and welcome to Prepare Like a Pro live chats. My name is Jack McLean. I created Prepare Like a Pro earlier in the year after being stood down as a strength and conditioning coach at the Hawthorne Football Club. I predominantly work with male and female footballers all over the country. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can head over to my website, preparelikeapro.com, to check out my packages, as well as download free training programs directly from my website. I'm excited to catch up with Mark McGrath, who's a movement and rehabilitation specialist tonight. We'll have a live Q&A, so for those that want to ask questions, just hit the question mark bottom at the bottom of our uh, Instagram chat here, and we'll get cracking into a good catch-up. Here he is. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jack. How are you, mate? Going well, mate. This is the new world. Yeah. Live social media, hey? We've got 11 people joining us now, but now that you're on, we'll uh, we'll get your followers getting onto the program as well. I've just introed myself. I'll give the guys a quick intro, and then we'll get cracking into the questions, mate. Yeah, sounds good, mate. So for those that don't know Mark, he's a movement rehab specialist. I met Mark at my time at Hawthorne Football Club where he was working with the guys both individually as well as running group sessions. After seeing Mark's sessions, I was uh, instantly curious on his methods. There was something that I'd seen similar before from, from things like Iyengar Yoga, and, but a lot of it I'd, I'd never seen before and, and was definitely pretty keen to ask Mark on, on uh, his methodologies and how he goes about his craft. And my curiosity hasn't stopped really. Every time I have a chat with Mark, I'm, I'm always learning something new and, and I'm sure you guys will all, he'll help you along your journey as well. His results speak for himself. Throughout his 25 years of experience, he's had guys like Chris Jard, Luke Hodge speak very highly, not only on improving their bodies and, and getting out of pain through rehabilitation with Mark, but also their performance and prolonging their careers. And then more recently, guys like Dylan Shield and Tom Mitchell, who are working privately with Mark, and they join your retreats and training camps as well, Mark, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's not just AFL football, you've... You work with a whole range of different athletes. Seems like tennis seems to be a popular one. Tennis players are working with you. And I know you've worked with a lot of Olympic national level athletes as well. So welcome, mate. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, cheers, Jack. It's a great uh, great thing you're doing to try and get this sort of stuff out there. And I, I think that, you know, conversations are the best way to give taste to people. Absolutely. And hats off to you, mate, for setting up the initiative and reaching out to have a chat tonight. I appreciate it. And thank you for yeah. coming on. If it's all right with you, I'd like to start sort of at the start of your career. When did you first recognise you had a passion for movement, fitness, strength training? Was it early on? How, how yeah, old were you when you started? I've realised what I really enjoy is a pioneer in a field who seemingly at the start going against the grain of what is accepted, but they ter- it turns out that what they were aware of and followed was, was more the fact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bruce Lee was certainly... So he died in 72, so I would have been nine nine years of age. And obviously yep, his yep. films and so forth. Just his dynamism, mate, his energy, uh, his intensity, you know. And yeah, the, okay, so uh, he sparked you know, a, and, a passion. Yeah, so he was the first first pioneer. Yeah. And then, you know, probably like Glenn Cherisoli in yoga. I mean, he's a he's an Iyengar yoga teacher, but around the same time influenced by Professor Yanda, who actually uh, really yes. did go against the um, the mainstream view of the nervous system. He was a lot more integrated, wasn't he? Not as isolated. Yeah, well, he, he identified true muscle balance as tonic and phasic, you know, that we're born tonic. So yep. internally rotated, flexed and adducted, and it's our phasic system that then balances the tonic system during maturation, particularly the first 15 uh-huh. months of life. And that going forward, that dance 
keeps going, you know. So if we're injured, we go back to a tonic dominance, injured, fatigued, compensatory patterns. So the, right. the yep. balance for tonic being extension, external rotation, abduction is also why rehab works. You know, you mentioned rehab in the intro. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it's important stuff because for me, it simplifies what I've got to do if I work in the field. You know, I remember that mm-hmm. I can really balance some up by having a, you know, checking them out in the screen and then seeing where these compensatory patterns might be appearing yes and that even if i begin to you know get a change there show someone how to ab duck their knees for example it's significant in the feeling of their body and then creating a like a pathway for them and did you reach out to like to professor yonder and uh guys in their field purely through curiosity like or did someone recommend so that's a great so jim chim who's now i think almost retired is a uh, chinese trained Australian physio and so Jim I, I was initially down the VIS I started in with the VIS in 95 so we yep. had access to the best athletes in the country and it was yep. just prior to sort of Sydney Olympics and we were actually at Arden Street in the mid 90s which was just in the old grandstand there and it was very very primitive mm. but obviously it was North's golden years you know yep. they won the premiership in 96 so yeah, David okay. Butterford was also down there. So there was Vern McMillan and I for the VIS and then David okay. Butterford with North. And so that was, you know, like the three of us had a great collaborative thing going forward. And then yes. we moved to South Melbourne, would have been, I think, 98, 97, 98. And, you know, that, at that time sort of Dave went over to Collingwood and was sort of part of the success there too in that, right, you know, okay. in, yeah, in that period. But Jim Chim, you know, he was a really interesting guy. His treatment he always treat like you would tell him what hurts, but he would start somewhere else and that hurt like crazy. So he had yep. very good observation and he put me on to Yander's work and we did a three-day workshop with Professor Yander at St. Vincent's. Fantastic. Uh, cross-section of professionals there. And is but that was, how, because I noticed you do treatment as well as coaching. Yeah. What did you start first? Were you a, a treater first yeah. and then you got into coaching or, or coaching then? Yeah, coaching and then treatment. So yeah, then treatment. a lot of training with Jim. I also did some study with Rob Granter, who was the head masseuse for the Olympic, Australian Olympic team. Right. And okay, then yeah. it's just, you're just learning, you know, once you've got the idea, it's down to then your hands and, you know, what you can. So the observation's key. So yes. that when you lay hands on someone, you've already, it's already surprising for them yep, as yep, to yep. where you're going and the, and the changes you're able to, to elicit. But I started yep. that because I was traveling with tennis players and they just have hands on because of the, particularly playing on hard courts, they're, you know, they're sort of breaking down if they mm-hmm. were successful in playing matches. So, mm-hmm. but then I've loved the marriage going forward of, you know, treatment training. It really, it opens up the scope of your seeing. Yeah, I can imagine because you're getting the hands on touch with the athletes yeah. so that's feedback isn't it on how they're recovering and yeah i imagine it can help help you make because i know you from speaking with you you work very much on the the neuromuscular system as well as the muscular yeah. system but do so you this find would good, this would be a good point just on that mate so yeah usually people think about weakness with you know how they're presenting yeah but it's actually hypertonus so right, what's hypertonus so so over activity of a muscle group that oh, doesn't yeah, know yeah. how to be silent yeah and that's this was this was Yander's key point. He right. said the muscle won't be silent even when that's its role. So it's an on-off muscle, but with, with hypertone, it's on-on. Mm-hmm. So the best example would be the TFL, the tensor fascia lata. Mm-hmm. Like almost everyone's hypertonic there. So they lie on their back and they bring their legs up. Mm-hmm. It's like they're going to cramp. Yep. So it's telling us that the stabilizing is poor because the hypertone is trying to the TFL is trying to do that job. Same with the adductor group, huh? particularly the short adductors. Mm-hmm. They're a proxy for this for the deep stabilizing system, and they're very easily like overworked. Even in 
you know, like so-called rest, but then staying yes. on. Right. And is that so, when the treatment comes in, you, you release exactly. those areas? Yeah. Exactly. And the, then the paraspinals are the other one because, if, like, if you think of the football as we know, they tend to have, like, a lot of hypertrophy in the paraspinals. Yes. And that's a proxy for the diaphragm. So because the diaphragm's not working fully to produce intra-abdominal pressure to stabilise the spine, yeah. the paraspinals must come in and, Compensate. and like, overwork to, to do that job. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. they're all, you know, with your seeing, they're all like cues for you to, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do some treatment here, here and here, which will change the perception of the body for the person. Yep. And then when we exercise, it'll be like, okay, now I've got a chance to access that. And so we sometimes have to have to treat first with, with patients. So I think it's best to even, yeah. you know, just change someone's hips a little bit or like check, check the chest position for the diaphragm in terms of uh, the orientation of the diaphragm to the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to the exercises, you've already had a bit of a chat, you know, while you've got someone on the table. Mm -hmm. So you can sort of set the scene a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so you mentioned postural stability was something Yandu was, was big on. Uh, what does that mean to you and, and how have you evolved your practices with improving? Yeah. Is there such thing as optimal posture or is it just a, an evolving yeah. thing that you're working on? Yeah. Um, so it's so basic to us that we overlook it. So, Posture is our basic uprighting right now and, mm -hmm. and then how that's being achieved. So like if we go back to the baby because the baby's the ultimate because it hasn't been taught anything and yet it's got perfect posture. So it's yeah. more like we lose the perfection than we've got to sort of go through stages to gain it. So with uprighting and then uh, weight shifting. So if you watch a baby move, it never mm. it shifts its weight to get ideal like recruitment based on the task. Yes. And then then uses the free ride of uprighting to do that. So the classic example is sort of full squat. Yeah. So our basic posture is this uprighting plus the co-activation of tonic and phasic that I mentioned at the start plus yep. intra-abdominal pressure. Mm. So that's our overall posture in order to just like not only to move but also to, to rest. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, like if you look at this, uh, the sitting posture of young people today, mm most of their backs behind their body mm. you know we sort of see a, a c-shaped spine and that's you know that's like an unloaded body you know so mm. that that's happening i think now from quite young and do you think whether it be schools or or if if, if young athletes are taking it upon themselves what should they be doing to prevent that is it standing desks is it sitting on swiss balls no, no. what would what would be no, that it's it's optimal it's like it's tapping into the aliveness of posture you know like that uprighting is like a, a basic aliveness and an alertness mm. and it's being accurate with up and down. So if I, if my chest is forward, then I, I can't be accurate with up and down because now my diaphragm's oblique. Yeah. So the diaphragm fibers are purely vertical and the transversus is purely horizontal. So that's showing us how that deeper system wants to be organized in order for those fibers to be accurate with their orientation right so it's it's accurate perception of vertical because when someone's out so they've got a compensatory pattern there's a frontal plane shift and the frontal plane shift occurs instead of rotation which is because our movement wants to turn around the long axis mm -hmm. so that's already beginning to overload the joint because the forces crossing the joint have been changed right, so okay. it, it's a total package you can't you can't do a bit of it yeah okay you know? And so, yeah. but you know, like you and I, when we chatted earlier today, like there's some learning around that. Yeah, know, maybe you say it's not, it's not a chronological maturation. It's a matter of awareness through yeah, practice. And, 
you were saying. Yeah, and the right type of things being reinforced so that, you know, we, uh, our understanding's one with our actions going forward. Yeah. And it's like a series of sips of, a, of the liquid, you know, like, you, you, ah, yes, I've got a little bit more now. But at yeah. the start, it feels like you're drinking from a fire hose because it's like, shit, hang on, this is new and different information. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Of course. You know, so in a, in, in a sense, if, if you're practicing and aware and you're working on this, let's just say Bruce Lee is an example, yeah. if, he's, if he's sitting in a chair compared to someone that's not as aware, the body's under two different stresses, Bruce Lee's body. Yeah, but see, Bruce, to- Bruce had poor posture. He was flexed because, you know, when he was coming mm. through, there, everyone was doing sit-ups. Yeah, okay. So he actually had a posterior pelvic tilt, uh, a flexed T-spine and forward head posture. Yeah, right, okay. So, but this becomes another interesting point. If I do something for six hours a day every day, I can get pretty good at it. Like yep. kids are a good example of having non-preferred posture but outstanding attributes. That was actually something I was interested to ask you about posture. Yeah. Do you believe there's posture for specific tasks? So in terms of is there an optimal posture for a swimmer compared to a gymnast compared to a footballer or is good posture just good posture for the well, human body? We'll come back to basic uprighting. So why does the gymnast and the ballet dancer change their posture? Because they're told that like an extended spine is the aesthetic of the sport. Mm. So it's more like that's forced upon them than the other way. Yeah. So I guess if if your whole focus is for performance, is there a ballet posture that is better for performance opposed to, or is it just a matter of the human body has an anatomy that has a stronger say that if you're in that, if you're in good alignment, how the diaphragm yeah. is supposed to be aligned with the transverse abdominis, and that's superior to yeah. opposed to the sport dictating your postural d- dominance. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So if we look at an elite male ballet dancer, really hypertrophy of the sternocleidomastoid. Yeah. So they're lifting, they can do it, but it's they've changed the nature of optimal shoulder stabilisation. Mm-hmm. And they'll be able to, you know, again, you, you can get around these things with treatment and, and so on. The thing is, like this is a great point, because if you look at the male model and what we also do to female shapes, why is the contorted shape in our mind's eye yeah. preferable? You, you look at a picture of a... Of a, of a female model in a in a, I, I reckon like it'd a magazine be... and you won't you won't see yeah. up and down you'll you'll see frontal plane shifts yeah you know so that that's more the point i think you know what as a society we still we think we've answered posture but we still don't even really we're not at the start of actually asking really what it is which is yeah. this what optimal yeah, what is of our of our available energy at rest and also for the task because you can't beat conservation of energy as efficiency mm. because you're not wasting, you're not leaking energy to do anything. Mm. You know, that's where the attention part comes in. Right. But I'm attending to sort of called a lot mindfulness today. I'm, I'm mindful of how I'm, say, lowering myself so that I can get even gliding through the joints. Depending on the task. Still not many, it's a, it's a, there's still not many examples of systems or disciplines that are actually doing it. It's still, you know, it, it, it approaches it. Yeah. But I think that's why this field is, is so beautiful because it's, probably just at the start of a real uh, chance for sort of this organic living system understanding to be a big part of, you know, I can be interested in performance or I can be just doing this for its own sake. Mm. And like, my drive as a, as a performer will, will be there anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna train and I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. But it's to know that I can do that in a way that's just to just use the term preferred. Meaning yeah. I'm not I'm not working against myself as part of my training. So when we go to the history of training, the military had a huge influence. You know, so think of the um, obstacle course yeah. and then preparing yeah. guys for battle. So they don't they're so physically trained that the demands of battle don't overwhelm them mentally. That's sort of the model that we've 
taken forward of, of all training and it, it's definitely got its place. But mm. if I can also do that and, and be optimal in my posture and, and understanding of the task over time, I'm also going to get longevity. Yes, gotcha. You know, which is yeah. that's essentially where it sounds like to me a lot of these champion athletes have seeked your services from from different sports is for that mm. goal. They've had a realization that they're the, the, the end might be near and they want to prolong it, and then they've come to work with you. Is that is that yeah? Right? Well, I mean, Hodgie was a really good example of just really struggling with his back. Yeah, and like he's doing his best to get to places a day earlier and try and settle and recover. But once that sort of paraspinal hypertrophy, which was really dominating, and you know when it when it went, it would spasm. So yeah. when that was replaced by better diaphragm function, you know the the uncertainty of whether or not I'll be okay was leveled out. Right. Particularly when this starts to be your software, yeah. Because the cent- central nervous system is it's it's a really close analogy. It's the software that functions us, mm-hmm. and we change the 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 functional software changes the hardware. Mm. So if I get better coactivation, better uprighting better stabilization i've changed the nature of the forces crossing the joint and that's been achieved my via my software and so how what age was he when he saw you like how long was his programming uh 2012 2012 and then when did he notice a shift from this not getting the spasming anymore or how long did it take um oh look it's immediate but then it's not that the software stuff doesn't work you're up against your habit yeah so it's continual work there's a term in alexander that i really like Alexander Technique, it says at the start, it's like trying to see blue on blue. The difference between what I'm doing and then what I'm trying to do is blue on blue because, yeah. you know, I don't know how to do it and I can't do it because I'm working deep. Huh? I'm working brains heavily being recruited to get these changes. But yeah. when I start to have a breakthrough in that, then I've got contrast and that what I used to do and what I can now do, I've got more control over Third. Yeah. So you and did, um, going forward is 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 important. And did Luke come to you straight away, open to to do whatever needed to be done because he was in discomfort, or <laughs> did it take a while for him to start practicing your? No, I think methods? our relationship. You know, again, I just when I'm with someone, I try to keep to the facts of like what's going on, just yep. so that I'm not bringing in information that could confuse that. So it's you know when we're in the task, I'm really coaching in real time. Yes. I want more of this but less of that. Now, the hard thing is the less of that because mm. we try too hard, you know, mm. Mm. and that's the learning. And back to what, you know, we did chatted today about young athletes. I can give up on this early because it seems like I'm doing nothing mm. and it's hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? you got that double. But if you can, it's usually about four sessions. If you can last, you know, you start yeah. to get this contrast. Yeah. 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 And I remember you saying with the, with the younger athletes, if they haven't had a, a chronic experience where they're in pain or – you know, they're, they're young, so they haven't had maybe trauma or whatever it might be, so they're going okay, yeah. but they're not, you know, functioning at their best. It can take a bit of time to for them to see it. What, 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 I think, what do you, like, I you think know, build that awareness? Really realising the role of the diaphragm and the fact that it changes its shape. So we're mm. not talking respiration. We're talking a, a shape change of a large uh, parachute-shaped muscle. That, that shape change is the piston effect of intra-abdominal pressure mm-hmm. because when I first try to do that i'll just mainly tense abdominal muscles or but i've got to realize i have i have no other way to stabilize my spine this is it mm-hmm. so that has to become like a priority for me but when i'm young it's easy for it just to slip and say well i'm doing plenty for the abdominal wall or the low back yeah but none of that's from this inside piston like perspective huh because when the push is good we know the level of the hips as well Mm-hmm. And when you know your hips, you're in you're in the powerhouse of your of your body. But I mean, when I say know it, I mean you can feel it. Yeah. 
So that's what you're trying to get. You're trying to get them to have that light bulb moment in a sense where they feel that connection. Yeah, like at least you you see something go off where it's like, hang on, that was significant, you know, in their experience. Like, hang on, something there, like a glimpse, you know. Because I can imagine the earlier you start this practice, the better you'll be at it. Like anything, I imagine. Like if the yeah, well, it's a bit like yeah, like you're just travelling. Hopefully, there's appreciation that I've hit I've hit gold in terms of like a, a sophisticated way to go forward. <laughs> but because it's just simply also our locomotion, that's where I like I've realised with particularly with athletes, if you just did the developmental work, so the work from the first fifteen months of life, but you're not doing standing work, balancing work, and then sprint sort of sprint based locomotion work. Yeah, um, that's when the picture really comes together for the athlete because there's enough load and work in it to go oh shit mm. and then there's still the the learning side and the the appreciation side of like moving with efficiency yes and i remember you know, saying to earlier today that, that oh you go yeah i was just going to say like we are decelerating five times our body weight on one leg yeah. so it's more like we can't get these movement forces under external loading conditions that we can when we sprint jump hop you know, change direction. But again, it's got to be done so that that's what is taking place. And once yes. those things start to drop of what it like, so changing direction is outside leg set, absorbing, loading and redirecting. You yeah. know, the skillfulness in that gets appreciated and then it changes the way guys don't take for granted again a drill because they're tuned to it. Yeah, they realise sure. that's where they're going to get, you know, further improvements. Yeah. And you mentioned the importance of curiosity working with athletes that are, that are curious. Yeah. How important is that and, and how can you develop curiosity if, if it's something that, you know, isn't there or, or might not be at a level where it needs to be for, for an elite athlete? Yeah, so there's a good quote, curiosity is why you learn, you know, because it's the free ride of you already have an interest in the, in the material. Mm-hmm. I think what happens when we go to school, because you're already told to learn more about like third person information and regurgitate it, we switch off and think that the, you know, that that's what the world's about. But in actual fact, that's the menu that we're looking at to see what we want to eat. So curiosity is how I interact with the menu. And then my network, the relationships are bridges between the first person curiosity, the third person menu, that's the second person interaction. So that's your mentors, your coaches, your guides. But who are particularly working with this curiosity, they're not just tipping more of the, you know, like just from the content. Yeah, sure. And then when, when, say, they watch me perform, you know, like say it's a game of footy, and then we debrief the game and we talk about, you know, what did you notice and what did you do well and what would you like to do better? And that can be the fuel for the training. Mm. That's when things really light up, you know, because then that, and that's when my qualities and characteristics as an athlete, I I actually start to realize that they're my leverage. I already do them well and it's going to shape how I should play. Yeah. And so the was, old way is a bit like, here's a whole lot of things, get good at it, and then we hope it comes together for you in the first person. It's a bit like turning that around and letting letting all that good stuff happen, but from the enthusiasm and motivation of first person. Sure, sure. And the if the athlete is, like, look, working with you from a performance point of view, like I, I know when I, I was scrolling through your website and looking at some of your testimonials and then saw came across a, a video with you and Tom Mitchell and you're breaking down the Marlon Pickle picket famous turn yeah. and and, and you're doing a couple of drills um i'm not sure if it was bef- during tom mitchell's uh rehab with his leg but it, he'd yeah. come back anyway so he came back and he was applying a lot of those movement patterns and to create space in congestion you, you mentioned that you know like defensive pressure is something that you can plan for in a sense and you can train for it and prepare for it like the richmond pressure that now is is being known for yeah. is a really important part of their game 
are athletes starting to seek your services more from that performance point of view now opposed to the rehab? Or is that something that's always been um, the case? Yeah, and also Troy Simmons. So Coach Troy played 190 games for Melbourne, Fremantle and Richmond, but he's he's done martial arts since he was seven. And even right, when he was okay, playing yeah. footy, he had, again, he's, he's like me, he's very curious, and he, he follows through on disciplines and systems. He does a lot with uh, coordination, but then also using different implements and tools like sticks. So being attacked with a stick for contested ball, you know, under agility type conditions and so forth. Yeah. So we could say like the body management, uh, efficiency, ideal recruitment comes from the posture work and if you need treatment. <laughs> then you, when we get to standing and balancing work and also using like the iron edge power bands to create movement slings where we can train the body almost like you're sprinting but you're on one leg and balancing and so you're, you're actually exhausting training like the muscles of single leg stance so yes. that's a bridge then to max speed running acceleration deceleration change of direction and then some of these drills that can be created i mean you'd remember from hawthorne the space hunters drill that i did with the team where they had to hunt space collectively yeah. Um, which is training the perception to deal with faster information. Yeah. So for me, this is the next wave that's coming in training where we're using movement forces, we're yeah. using elements of the game, and then we're finding interesting ways to overload aspects of, of that. Yeah, and awesome. If an athlete really knows what they want to be good at and that's well communicated, then it's the job of within that relationship to come up with, let's Drills. train that. Yeah. Like, let's get it to a level and yeah. then like plug it into the real thing. And it's like either transferred, it's partly transferred. And yeah, certainly uh, Dylan, Tommy, Dan Hannabury yeah. are very interested in this transfer that's yeah. uh, possible. And like I said to you today, if we're going to break open the defensive aspect of the game, it's got to be surprising mm. how that happens. Like it can't be known and it's got to be down to the, the qualities of the individuals who are capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, like Dusty's untackleable to an extent. Mm. But he's also got great composure under, like under great duress, and he can he can do something pretty miraculous in one or two steps. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's amazing. Trainable. It, it, it is trainable. Mm. Marlon mm. Pickett, the the spin. Like I've always been fascinated by rotation as a like as a bodily transverse plane motion rotation because you know because of tennis and golf and the martial arts. Yeah. But then when we rotate in those group settings, we can also use our opponent as like a pinball. Yeah. So you hit someone and use their energy to get off them, and it's mm -hmm. legal, you know. Mm -hmm. We did some work on last year's retreat where the last step you accelerate into the the person, the obstacle, but then you redirect. And it's incredibly effective. Yeah, right. Interesting. That, you know, that yeah. can be done in like in small groups, for example, you know, but you've got to lift your skillfulness up in the ability to do these things because at the start, it's quite gross. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you're breaking it down like a, like any sort of craft work with a skill and then yeah. doing it at high intensity once the progression's there. Yeah. I remember Ben McAvoy saying to me, Andrew Russell and I took him to work with one of the best jits, Jason Robig and uh, Robbie Ardum at mm. Robbie's place in Box Hill North. And so Jason was down for a seminar and he took Big Boy through like problem solving in the ruck and other things, but from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu point of view. Yeah, right. And Ben loved the session, but he said, I'd have to be, though, I'd have to be doing those things automatically to feel comfortable that that's what I'm going to do in the game. So yeah. that's sort of what I mean. These things, we get excited by them and then we've really got to drill them and, you know, do them to a level and how often um, would Hanabry and Shiel and Mitchell like how often would you get would you give them homework to do yeah you know well, daily homework is it or or how often are they doing it a week the body 
certainly the body-based stuff is, is they've got to do that to you know even to do max speed running and so forth in season as you know you've got to be pretty robust that you can take that risk because it, it basically doesn't happen in the clubs as you know so mm. i've got to have that confidence in my body that i can trust the elasticity and the springs and the shock absorbing capabilities sure and then how am i pulling up you know is key mm-hmm. um but yeah look i think it's it's a couple of years jack to really for the cross section of things you need to be doing to to feel like you own it a bit and you you're doing it well and then you know you're bringing you're starting yep. to bring some stuff to the table yeah 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 fantastic mate well thank you so much for for providing us with your, your wisdom it's, it's amazing uh information to, that you could share with us all um if, if there's any questions from from those that have been following, I can see there's a few that have stuck around throughout our chat. Feel free to use the question mark at the bottom and I'm sure Mark will be happy to answer your question. But in the meantime, what are you most excited about with, with 2021? What, what are you currently doing with your work and uh, what are you excited about for next year? Yeah, I think the band work, Jack. So I've got six movements where we're using the particular the stiff blue power band as like the diagonal slings of the body. Yep. So the way one lat dorsi through the low back talks to the opposite hip yes. or how the, you know, then the anterior version of that through the, through the shoulder, the oblique abdominals into the, into the groin. Mm-hmm. So just the loading and balancing where you're going from a full upright position on one foot with a diagonal body and then going to floor and getting mm-hmm. a full on push into the floor, coming well, in and out of that in the different ways. Yeah. So you really can't, if you like, stress the vertical body any more than that via it's the way it likes to organize through the diagonals so how that then transfers into into the sprint drills and you know the efficiency basis there yes i mean we've just been discussing recently so troy and i and some others about rugby union rugby league they've got very different like those guys have got a sprint body setup Mm. but afl still got the like you were mentioning in the in the intro to this like that metabolic type Mm. running yeah now you don't have to lose the ability to perform work but you'll never get the other, you know, you'll never get the efficiency side. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another thing I think can come in and will also then also cut down on the soft tissue because guys yeah. running out the back, so they've got too much recovery of the leg out the back, has them going yeah. into TL junction and also mm-hmm. tightening the neck. So that would be a great if that, you know, came more yeah. into the game that there's an appreciation of that you can't do better than the research that's been done on how to sprint well. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And also like you're saying from a performance point of view to help combat this high pressure yeah. element. Darcy Hogarth has written through, with DNS breathing, how do you go through the developmental stages without feeling like you're holding oh, your breath. breath? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that, that's the million-dollar question, Darcy. Remember that we're talking about a shape change of the diaphragm in the absence of respiration. So when you say breathe in, breathe halfway out, and then you start to create intra-abdominal pressure, you're sacrificing respiration. That's just what you're doing because you're working on the stabilizing function and you're also working on the diaphragm-brain connection. So you say, can I keep gentle expansion while I breathe out? Yes, I can. But it was really hard work, you know. So then to be able to do that for two breaths, five breaths, ten breaths is, is your practice, you know, because it's you're training a, an ability that's dormant in you. And then ultimately, obviously, IAP and respiration need to be integrated. But I think there's a a problem in people's understanding that the pressure has to be like one setting. So I'm sitting here quite relaxed talking to Jack. I'm not trying to lift a fridge with my 
into abdominal pressure. You know what I mean? It's relaxed, but I'm also not sucking my belly and I'm also not breathing in the chest. So when I chest breathe, I overuse the accessory muscles of breathing and I create a, a sympathetic dominance, which puts me in emergency mode. Yeah. So the slow, silent breathing with gentle intra-abdominal pressure puts me in a parasympathetic state. So I'm, I'm resting and digesting and oxygenating because I'm not blowing off my CO2. So the stabilizing function, respiration, posture, it's quite a big picture understanding because they're all interrelated. But don't think it should be easy and don't think it's short term. It's diaphragm brain connection and being consistent with just taking some time to get gentle expansion, breathe out, hold not get bigger on the next inhalation. So your balloon size is the same size and then, you know, build up the time you can be relaxed and holding that and it'll become more and more familiar as something that uh, you just know how to influence. But it's best to do it like the baby does on your back with the legs up. So legs up on a couch if you want to just do uh, the diaphragmatic IAP, but also lovely on your front with your arms in the three-month position so that you can feel the expansion of your belly into the floor and that you can keep it out as you exhale gently and, and then lift the head neck in line with the spine and, and keep doing that. Stone heads are written, the inability to hold pressure whilst lying down means they have no business loading the system with weight. I think it's more sort of a comment, but I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Josh Stonehead is Josh Lamara, who's an outstanding osteopath. Yeah. And he's, you know, him and I have worked together for, I think it'd be over 10 years now, so he knows. Oh, that makes sense. He, yeah. He cross-refers, I refer to him and vice versa. Yeah. But the postural element, like say I am going to lift something heavy or do a deadlift, at the bottom of the lift just to upright and to be able to be gently expanded, that's fine to do, you know, because mm. we will we will automatically get some intra-abdominal pressure. The thing is not to suck the belly, you know, like that I'm trying to contract the abdominal wall. That mm. just interferes with the ability of the diaphragm to push this piston effect all the way to the pelvic floor and hips. Yeah. The latest is on the DNS website. If you subscribe to the video library, there's two presentations Professor Collage did to the Chinese system. And I hadn't heard him say this before. He said, but when an Olympic lifter is in the most sort of dynamic part of the lift, that the kidneys travel to the level of the shorts. Yeah, right. So we're talking about a 10 centimetre travel of the organs as part Far of out. The diaphragm, it's, it's, it's incredible. So when they're going through that, third, that third pull. You know, the, the organ system is crying out for the push of the diaphragm so that the organ system gets this tidal effect of compress and release. Mm. I wonder so what's happening when the, like when the sprinters are coming out of the gates, you know, like those first few steps. Yeah, it's another good example of, you know, like it's just, it's just needs to be there with the forces that are being generated to protect the yeah. spine, but also to keep the midline axis Accurate. If you look at the race, I know Linford Christie was in it. There's not one. So they're the top 10 sprinters in the world. It was a world champs, I think. Not one of them can keep their spine. When they come out, they all go into a frontal plane. Mm. You know, so this this is the thing. Like just because I'm elite doesn't mean I'm preferred, as, mm. as we see with tennis all the time. With So it's they're two different things, being a high-level performer yeah. and having, you know, that they can be a match, but it's quite rare. Yeah. So the sport has such demands that it does... It takes work to be able to mitigate that, to be able to, you know, to get longevity in the career. Yeah. You need to be doing well, work to almost undo the sport in a sense, do you? Yeah. Well, Linford Christie used to fly to Germany multiple times a year to get injections, you know. For, so, you know, if you look at tennis players on the road, they've got a team travelling with them, yet it can still be difficult. 
to stay yeah. on court, you know. So we sort of make out this should be able to be done, but it is still a challenge for the team, for whoever's, you know, it's it's challenging work. But if you love it, you want to be in this problem-solving mode with it. Usain Bolt has been critiqued for having, um, I guess, imbalances with his posture, with yeah. his running gait. Yeah, so particularly the last years of his life, he had a, a right lateral lean strategy. Mm. Was that due to injury history or is that something that... Injury history, but again, if you look at some of the training, he was very much in his extensors. So mm. remember I mentioned Hodgie in the diaphragm. Mm. So you've got Usain on his, like doing a, say like a basic like trunk extension. Yeah. Very, very dominant in the extensors. So poor, poor deep stabilizing system or, you know, in Jamaica, you know, resources, do they... Are they aware of it? Yeah. But this is yeah, the definitely. thing. It's like I can't choose a different way of preparing because the deep stabilizing system is intrinsic to this organism. Mm. And it's, it's so worth my while to understand because it's an informational system. It provides the information for the moving body. That's why it's so important. Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense. Mm. And yeah, so, so, so you were mentioning the power bands is something that you you're going to be doing some work with. I saw with Troy Simmons and yourself, you guys are doing a, a retreat in December. Is that right? Um, yeah, December 14 to 18. Okay. So it's that week before Christmas. We're using the RACV resort, which we used last year. It's a tremendous Fantastic. facility. And yeah, it's uh, five full days. Is that spot still open for people to, to book with you guys? Or Yeah, it's, it's limited availability. It'll be capped at 16. Yep. So we're not We've only just sort of, because of COVID, we haven't been able to, yeah, of course. you know, get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's all looking good. Yeah. There's also a mapping process where some of what we've talked about tonight, Jack, where I begin to look at, look inwards and see what my characteristics and qualities are and what I want mm-hmm. in the, in the longer term, you know, so that's, that's sort of, you know, part of the guided process where you'll enter and begin to look at those questions and there'll be an exit statement, you know, you'll have, you'll have done some good work around that. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, all yeah. our all our activities are also geared towards, you know, like you're finding these things out and then, you know, dis- you know, discussions and there's a good cross-section of people turn up so it's not just on the elite side. So Yeah, fantastic. We've got, we've got a couple of young, we'll have a, like a 15 or two 15-year-olds this year who are very keen on their footy. Oh, right, awesome. And, and, and have done some, you know, already some considerable work with Troy and I. So Cam from last year, I think, just helped him so much with just like as a learner, I can give myself permission to be yeah to know these things and that it can be a driver because that that permission is so important yeah you're so used to being told what to do at that age aren't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, that, so that's so he's uh got permission to yeah almost be curious have that license to, to question things and did that well, take time to get that confidence i think it came easier to him as you know like he's i don't think he was as academic or so mm. it was more like a relief for him that this is not only this not only works, but it's an optimal it's an optimal yeah. strategy. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That two way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. Oh, well, I think we'll leave it there, Mark. Well, that's a, a fantastic amount of uh, information you provided us all, and uh, I know my head's spinning <laughs> with, <laughs> with uh, trying to absorb it all. And I'm sure uh, there, yeah, with these type of um, workshops or discussions. Um, yeah, you don't realise how many gems were there until you sort of have a sleep on it, and, you, and, you, and it pops mm. up in your head the next day. But yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, forever grateful for for all the information you provided us all. I thought it was fantastic. So, is is Instagram the best place for people that are interested on your on your and Troy's retreat, uh, or any yeah. work that, that people want to do with yourself? 
Yeah, so like I'm my my Insta's mark on movement, and then Troy and I skillful means is our business. Skillful so, yeah, means, like yep. Skillful means. So yeah, any direct messages or that that's good. Yep. And obviously, that's where we that's where we update stuff we're working on. It. You know, I think it's the simplest platform for most of us nowadays, isn't it? Definitely. Yep. You know, for yeah, for absolutely. this type of work, because the videos are great as a as a yeah. medium. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, well, thanks, Mark. We'll uh, wrap it up there. Fantastic. Cheers, man. Yeah, good night. Cheers, Jack. Thanks, guys. Catch up.